The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. A million years from now, reality itself was almost destroyed. It was saved by a hero. Yeah, it was saved by you. In your reality, where you are right now, the Cybermen have already conquered Earth. Okay, as a wise man once said, Alonso! make this choice. So you've got to. You're the doctor now. Hello and welcome to the Doctor Who pod with Just Dan this week. Uh, veering off from the wonderful world of TV of the mad alien in the blue box to bring you a couple of firsts to the show. Uh, this is my first time doing a solo podcast, very much out of my comfort zone, so please bear with uh, and any and all constructive feedback it would be welcome. Uh, the second first is that I will be covering a video game rather than an episode of Classic or Modern Doctor Who, and basically just to combine two of my favourite things, uh, Doctor Who and video games. I've been a gamer for as long as I can remember, and uh, a Doctor Who fan since seeing Sylvester McCoy and Paul McGann in the movie since I was about, ooh, when I was about eight years old. Um, so yeah, just giving a little venture into that. Uh, similar to our regular episodes, I'll just give a little bit of a background uh, of the game and then a rundown of the sort of plot and uh, any thoughts on the story, the design of the game, the gameplay, that kind of thing. Far from a professional video game reviewer, obviously, this is uh, my first time delving into video games. Uh, I just know that I love them, so uh, without further ado, uh, we'll be looking at... Doctor Who Edge of Reality. Uh, it's a 2021 console version of a video game developed by Maze Theory, uh, who also made The Lonely Assassins, uh, and published by Playstack. Uh, the original was a 2019 VR game called The Edge of Time. Uh, it's essentially the same story, uh, but with sort of an expanded continuation. So uh, there'll be a few changes and apparently an extra chapter uh, to the story as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, features uh, the Thirteenth Doctor, as we'll get to uh, as we'll get to later on. So, like I say, that's uh, a little bit on uh, on the background of the game. Not too much. It's you know without going into all the minutiae of uh, who the developers are and their history. It's uh, that'd all be a bit dry and a bit boring. So I'll spare you that. So we fire up the uh, the game itself, and on the menu you can tell it's a sort of a legacy of a VR game. Everything's very focused towards the very centre of the screen, feeling like it should be for a much sort of wider panoramic uh, experience. Uh, it didn't really help that I was playing it on a uh, on a curved TV. I don't think so. You know that's uh, that's my uh, that's my hardware issues. One of the first things I noticed uh, playing this game is that the menu noises were irritating as shit, and unfortunately, there's no way to turn them off. 
Uh, that's a bit of a pain in the ass. It's never good to pick up a game and you're annoyed straight off by the loading screens. It's just just not a fun way to begin. And I should say, actually, this is going to be part one uh, of a mini-series on the edge of reality uh, because I got to a point where uh, the game pissed me off and I stopped playing uh, for about six months. Uh, I'd very much planned to get this between uh, between seasons two and three, but it didn't work out that way. And uh, and here we are. The game slightly redeems itself uh, when you're sort of loading in, and it has a uh, a low key a loading indicator which is uh, Gallifreyan writing. It's just a neat little touch. I like spotting those kind of things. So uh, we're sort of one big annoyance one cool touch and one weird looking menu <laughs> before we've even got into the game itself so I was uh, very much uh, a mixed bag and not entirely sure what to think but we press on with an open mind doubly what I wasn't expecting uh, was to be starting in the laundrette uh, so I have a, had a little wander around you can pick up the baskets you can open all the washer doors uh, which again is probably a legacy of VR but I would have almost liked to be able to have done the laundry I don't know why it's like finding a game in, you, in a game that you can flush a toilet or something like that it makes for just a, a moment of daft daft little entertainment there's a very good uh, sort of uh, audio indicator where you hear a buzzing noise and we find uh, you find an intercom and it's it's Jodie Whittaker's 13th Doctor who's been kidnapped and taken to the edge of time and space managed to cobble together a space-time visualizer out of debris to keep an eye on us and can communicate using local tech like the intercoms we've got there and we are our unnamed character are the only one who can save the universe um very good setup i like that they've given the writers have given an overview for jody you know an oversight uh, thing of if we get stuck it feels like there's somebody there to help out potentially at least at this point in the game it feels that way and it, it's a good way to have the doctor there without the doctor being there because obviously in a video game you need that kind of agency to roughly be able to influence or control what's happening around you so i think they've done that very well uh, during doctor's introductions the intercom cuts off there's a bit of of wibbly wobbliness and then fading to black and it comes back and it's nighttime and we can hear Daleks. So from a story perspective, we've got a kidnapped doctor who's got a little bit of tech who can give us just enough insight on where to go and what to do. We've had a strange little glitch in time and we've got Daleks. So that is spot on so far. And, and glitch was the right word because they are time glitches. Uh, there's a virus attacking reality and, and degrading time. Uh, corrupting past, present, and future, and there are these sort of sacks. There's obviously something gestating in, in parts of the uh, the laundrette, and they're creatures called hydrox, and they're used by guards, uh, used as guards by zygons. Uh, they eat humans, uh, incubating in the washing machines. So again, we've got a physical threat. We've got another classic villain. I was very happy so far, and it's it's creepy. To be quite honest, at this point, it is it is creepy, and it? playing it in VR would have been a much more immersive experience, but two barriers to that. I don't own a VR, because I'm poor as fuck, and quite frankly, VR games, the what little I've played, make me feel sick. So this'll do. I don't need to, uh, I don't need to be surrounded by the, uh, by the horror that I'm playing through, to be honest. And, and I think with it being maybe a slightly lower budget game, and originally a VR game, the, the graphics aren't brilliant, but it still does a good job of making things feel tense and making things feel creepy, particularly at this point. Um, we are then directed into the manager's office and we see a question mark brolly, which I popped for massively. Absolutely loved it. Uh, you know, legacy of Sylvester McCoy. You can't go wrong with a touch like that. And at this point, you're sort of searching for a code for a safe combination. And I am crap 
at this kind of thing. It's all a bit point and click adventure game, and it, this is my hang up. I suck at it, so it took me a while. Uh, people smarter than me out there will probably find it very easily, but you know, it, it just it is what it is. You find it eventually, and you open it up, and you've got the 13th Doctor's sonic screwdriver. Which again is just brilliant. Now we've got it's it's not a weapon, but it adds to the character agency, it adds to our skill set, our ability, and it's moving, you know, everything's moving along at a fair clip if you can figure it out quicker than I can. So, you know, take take that for what it's worth. Another great thing that I found at this point was when you press the trackpad, it brings up a journal of impossible things which is a, uh, just a wonderful callback to uh, one of the best uh, two-parters and best uh, stories that we've covered on the Doctor Who pod, uh, Back to the Family of Blood and uh, John Smith's Journal of Impossible Things. And, and it, it populates as you go along. It, my only minor, minor annoyance at that is that it's, uh, it just fills out with text. It's not sort of your handwritten script and the ink block drawings but i'll take it the journal itself looks good it's a nice thing and again maybe a limitation of what they could do with the budget and with the tech at the time but it's fine i enjoyed it there's we we get out of this um out of the laundrette via the back door using the sonic screwdriver obviously and daleks are on patrol again very good sort of classic who and it makes for a nice little sort of traversal puzzle segment which is essentially just stay out of the light. And this was my first death because I wasn't paying attention because I'm an idiot. So, you know, if you actually, you know, focus and, and don't be a knob like I am, uh, it's it's a nice little thing. But again, you feel like it's just enough to feel like you're going to get caught by the Daleks. You, you know, there's, there's Daleks actually rocking around. This was the point where it started getting, the game started getting a bit janky and a bit laggy out of nowhere. It felt like my character was just moving through mud and was so unresponsive and sluggish and just had the turn, basically the turning circle of Fabinho, if, if for any football fans out there, uh, for any non-football fans, it, it was like trying to turn around a battleship. The, the character just did not control well, and I don't know why it happened. Um, it's not an online game. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't require an internet connection to run. It, it, it just came out of nowhere, and it... It didn't ruin anything, but it was, it was just an, an irritation, and it and it kept cropping up in the in the sort of first section of the game that I that I played through. I said sections, first few chapters of the game that I played through. Um, we do have a cool set piece though, where you have to time it right and find a couple of find a couple of parts, and you can capture a Dalek with a magnet. Which you know, while you know, if you think too much about it, because well, the Dalek surely wouldn't mag wouldn't be prone to being magnetised, yada yada, but just enjoy the set piece. It's amusing, it's a game, it's fun. There is a radio knocking around in this junkyard, and it's a case of pretty bad sound mixing, where the Doctor's voice is so faint, but there's something, the, the magnet's running, there's a couple of other things running, and you can just hear engine noise. And you struggle to hear the radio, you're struggling to make out where it's coming from. Again, I don't know if this is a legacy of... Of VR, where you'd have sort of more surround sound and be able to pinpoint things a lot easier. But if it ha if it is, then you know it could have been done better. But again, hardware, time, money, all the usual stuff. So, but we get there in the end, and then we uh, we get a car battery, we get a satellite dish, we construct this device to summon the TARDIS. And Jodie Whittaker, the thirteenth Doctor, welcomes us aboard, and we get a full-on intro and. 
if I didn't suck at puzzles as much as I do, and if certain things were a little bit better signposted, it would have been absolutely fantastic. As it is, I still popped for it. I was still enjoying my time with it. I was just starting to get marginally, just a little bit frustrated with certain things. And one thing I will say in the game's favour, very good atmospheric soundtrack to this point. Really does sell the peril and you're having to sneak around it. I hesitate to use the comparison because this other game did it so well, but Alien Isolation had you feeling vulnerable and and fearful, to be quite frank. Uh, this is a an imitation of that, in that you, do, you can't attack, you can't fight, but you can find a way through or around... Or to, or just you know, using or use the environment. It, it's very scaled back compared to Alien Isolation, obviously, but it's the same, the same spirit, if you like, which is good. And obviously, now we're in the TARDIS, which is just very cool, and we have a, a hologram projection of of the Thirteenth Doctor uh, telling us we need to cobble together a, a vortex manipulator to get to, to get her back where she needs to be. And then she can handle the reality virus and who's behind it. We need three pieces of Zyton, which is a great callback again to Vengeance on Varos, which we covered uh, on on the Doctor Who pod. With the uh, the facial graphics on, on Jodie Whittaker, it is a bit uncanny valley, but again, budget VR. I'm going to be saying that a lot. I'm really sorry to keep repeating myself, but limitations on VR four years ago uh, and all the rest of it it really did make a difference and vr's come a long way since then so please be kind and yeah, we get a uh, sort of a portent of doom from the uncanny valley jodie whittaker showing us uh, earth shattered into three and the xyton pieces we're now calling uh, time crystals and in or oh, in the brilliant just a brilliant move you you get to pilot the tardis uh jodie whittaker guides you around the uh, guides you around the controls and it ju- it just feels good. It's not very again not brilliantly signposted. I bet it worked fine in VR, but it's just so cool seeing the next control light up, and you just you're piloting the TARDIS, which is a Doctor Who fan, uh, and and obviously a, a game. You just you can't go wrong. It's just so cool. I absolutely love that bit. Uh, next up, we get deposited on a planet called Lucia Minor. Uh, we're in a forest, so naturally spooky forests. Walking through, only got a screwdriver. Bit scary. Uh, we find a tablet, and a voice warns of an imminent glitch, but that it's good to see us again. I'm, I'm pretty sure that was uh, that was Jodie. It warns us that the glitch will be, bring Zleisters and Tasmas, whatever the hell they are, and it just tails off. And we have another one of these glitches, and everything's back at night. So the, the time skip element I really like. It, it keeps you on your toes. It keeps the suspense up. Obviously, the forest is spooky anyway, but the forest at night is even scarier. Um... And you, you're sort of just wandering through. The, it's not open world. It is quite linear. There are some alternate routes and, and side routes that you can take to find story elements. In fact, I took one of those side routes and it was it was pretty much unlit. So it was very atmospheric and creepy. There, are, there do appear to be creatures that you can barely see in the dark. And in one of these side streets, you find Peter Capaldi's Doctor's guitar and a skeleton. And in a third camp, a Cyberman's trying to push through the glitch. Push through into the glitch like uh, like it with uh, with the lone Cyberman in, in the haunting of v- Villa Diodati, and there's a, sort of a a rough interpretation of the Fifth Doctor's hat. There's some ruins, and it's this all builds to effectively a, uh, a plug sort of a plug socket puzzle where you find these four spark plugs, and you get to the end of the the area and you you, you just figure it out. It, it's fine. It's a it's a decent enough puzzle. Even I managed it. 
So no doubt, dear listener, you'll get it in one because you're probably much smarter than me. And it turns out that we're actually on a ship. We're not on a planet at all. It's the SS Lucia Minor. There were 20,000 habitats donated by friendly assassins of Puljarius Fine. I don't know if that's a reference to anything in Doctor Who. Perhaps someone can tell me in the comments. It may be. Um, I don't know, but the... um, there was a great um, sort of a great sort of dystopian line saying if someone is more attractive than you, why not have them incinerated by the customer help team? So who knows where we are at this point? It's that's just that's just mad and a part of the story that I would like to have seen explored more. Uh, it's puzzle time again. Uh, it's a very puzzle heavy game so far. There's a laser puzzle to get the bridge door open, uh, and even an area to turn off the gravity, which was again a nice touch not sure it was that useful at the time um there's a room with f- sort of people frozen to death and there's a, a, a sliced a voice and they want our help fixing the ship in exchange for the time crystal there's a sort of a bit of an annoying puzzle halfway through the lift to go into the bridge uh, there's another character called emma or emma i can't remember the pronunciation who we haven't seen yet but someone knows us wibbly wobbly timey wimey goodness and but it turns out Emma is the, the ship's emergency life support system and went crazy after the Zleisters killed the crew due to grief uh, the doctor is planning to transfer Emma to a more suitable host and apparently the Zleisters feed on attention but without it devolving to Tasmas that are feral hunters and now the power's restored they want to power bomb uh, basically power bomb a sun and create a supernova and destroy dozens of planets. The Shadow Proclamation's put in them on trial for genocide, and that will be all the attention that they need. So it's it's weird that this giant violent plot is all from creatures who exist on, on needing attention. And if I was in a sort of more scripted format, and if I was a little bit smarter, I'd probably be making some sort of joke about the outdated joke about the Kardashians by now. Um, but I'm not, so I'm not gonna. The 13th do- Doctor asks... Uh, Emma to change the flight course and unlock the time crystal. Uh, there's a big sort of thing with the uh, the Zleisters aren't letting her do that. Uh, Emma transmits the t- uh, transmats, I should say, the TARDIS into the main ship body, encourages us to ch- save ourselves, and has changed the course of the ship so it crashes into a deserted planet, destroying the Zleisters. And we use the Sonic to shut off Emma as a kindness and run for it. Then we find that the gravity's been fucked with, so we know why those controls were there. Um... And it adds a bit of minor peril, but we get there. It's it's sort of a scene with minimal player agency, but Emma was uh, was very well played by the actor, whoever the voice actor was. Probably should have looked up the cast, but again, I didn't because I'm on our bed and I've never done this before. So I'll try and remember that for part two. And in typical Doctor Who fashion, turns out we didn't shut Emma off. We downloaded Emma. And there's a translator implanted in our brain on Lucia Minor, so we can hear Emma at all times. And we basically have a secondary guide, which is always helpful, because obviously the Doctor can only use uh, local technology and appropriate technology. Whereas Emma can guide us whenever we need it, which coincidentally fits in very well, because the next landing is in Victorian London, in a square eerily reminiscent of the snowmen. Uh, where the Doctor sort of climbs into the TARDIS, and we learn that there's a time crystal in the time cabinet of the late Magnus Greek in Manfred Grail's house. Now, I don't know who any of these people are. Again, probably should have done a bit of research beforehand, but 
I think I did this six months ago, and I couldn't find them in uh, in wider Doctor Who lore either. Maybe I'm wrong. Give me a shout on the uh, in the comments on Twitter and uh, educate me if you like, because no doubt I'll forget to look these up as soon as I finish recording. It, there's it was a bit of an awkward name, you know, the the time crystal in the time cabinet of the late Magnus Greek in Manfred Gale's house. There's a lot of T, it's a couple of TCs and MGs just to uh, try and uh, try and get you to trip up. As, uh, as you're talking, uh, this is a much bigger area than the uh, than the original. Um, you're wandering sort of around the park and around the side streets, and this is when Emma tells us about the Cyber Reaper, which repairs itself using other Cybermen, and we need to find the house, repair the phonograph, and one of my neighbours has just started cutting the grass. So fingers crossed that's not coming through too badly. But if it is, I'll enlist size um, uh, size editing skills to try and get rid. Um, so there's a glitch. Uh, we're repairing the phono phonograph. It, it turns out we've uh, we've apparently invaded before, looking for the cabinet of uh, looking for the cabinet of Magnus Greek. Uh, it gives us info about the warning, and to reach the cabinet, we must. And the recording tails off. It glitches, and we're talking about a special lift to the crypts where the cabinet is. But the thing is, it's protected by the weeping angels. But they may not be angels anymore. And the recording of Manfred. Oh, that was it. It was a recording of Manfred. And it tails off into screaming. Which is very creepy. Sorry, I've, I've really butchered this last few bits. But we're listening to this recording uh, on the phonograph. And obviously, when I mean, it goes to everything I just said. And, and, and it co co tails off screaming. But then we hear a childlike voice saying, Manfred dead now. Manfred big fat boy, but angels still hungry. Angels still hungry. Angels feast on you. Angels eat you. We're coming to get you. Cry baby bunting. Doctor's friends have gone a-hunting. Gone to fetch the precious stones, but the angels eat your bones. And I've done a terrible rendition of that, but that's because it was a shit characterisation of the angels in almost every way. Uh, the voice wasn't as creepy as intended, and the fact that the angels don't actually physically eat you, unless they've decided to add that, add that sort of for reasons later on um i just don't i just didn't like it, it you know we had the baby angels in uh, towards the end of amy and rory's run but it just wasn't you know they, they were they were voiceless they didn't do anything they did well they, they did do things they, they attacked the way angels attack you know they're not eating flesh they're not you know breaking bones or anything like that so to i don't know i'm I'm excited to see more of the angels in the game, but at the same time, if it's going to be that sort of characterisation, I, oh, it's it's left me it's left me feeling a bit iffy on the whole thing. Um, however, that was followed up by a line from Emma that said, "You know what the scary thing is? The voices aren't coming from the phonograph anymore." Now that's creepy. That is reminiscent of. Uh, the uh, in the Doctor dances to you know that whole then the empty child two parter where they've got the recording in the background it's going mummy mummy and then you hear the ticking of the tape as it's run out but the voice is still going and they have that moment where they realise the tape ran out thirty seconds ago that is good that is very good so uh, the horror fan in me absolutely adored it. They brought it back around, still not massively enthused uh, about the angels. And now it's puzzle time again. 
you have to crank the phonograph to induce the glitch and explore the room in its new state. You then have to burn books in a fire in the in the right order to solve the puzzle. I tried this for about 25 minutes um, and I couldn't figure it out. It pissed me off and this is where I got annoyed and stopped playing the game for six months. So this is where episode one uh, of Doctor Who of the Doctor Who Pod Edge of Reality miniseries is going to end. Um, it ends in frustration over the puzzle, frustration over the angels, frustration over the lag, over the lagging, and some of the slow movements, but still with optimism that this story is going to be worth the dodgy mechanics and some of the less favourable characterizations of, of, of what are now classic villains. Uh, I did enjoy what I've played so far. Like I say, the, the story is holding its own. It, part of it is my problem that I'm not great at, at puzzles. Um, the, although the menu does still need sorting out. It's, um, yeah, it's sort of a pretty basic thing. Don't have your menu piss off. Your um, <laughs> don't piss off your players. You'd think it'd be, you know, it'd be one of those things. Um, also, side note, I forgot to mention this earlier, but there's a weird mechanic that where you use try. Oh, I'm playing on PS4. Uh, you press triangle to use an item, and square is to interact or pick it or, or pick up an item. That just felt counterintuitive to me, but it could be because at the time I was been I'd been playing a lot of Horizon Forbidden West, so. It, it, it ended up being ended up becoming um, a non-issue, to be quite frank. It was just a, something odd that I noticed at the time. Uh, so yeah, as I said before, quite a few frustrations, a lot of optimism around the story, and we'll see how we get on. Uh, I'll pick up the game again, uh, time recording some point this week. See how we go. I may just bite the bullet and look up how to do the puzzle because I want to get on and I want to see the story. So that concludes episode one. I'll be back with episode two, picking up from where I left off and going to wherever the game annoys me again. Uh, if you want to hear more of me podcasting, uh, you can visit me on Twitter at DanGriffin21, uh, usually tweeting about wrestling that's a minimum six weeks out of date or movies that are 25 years out of date. And you can hear more of me on Unbooking the Territory at UTT Podcast, where we talk about the first and last of professional wrestling uh, with my co-host UTT, Rob. And we have a side project, Unbooking the Tankatory, where we look at the life and times, the trials and tribulations of the in-ring career of legitimately the hardest man that ever lived, Mr. David Tank Abbott. And we have another side project called Unputting the Territory, which uh, will be up and running soon, or may have already be up and running when you listen to this, and that is uh, looking at the Being the Elite Gator Golf Tournament. Uh, Rob taught me into that. It's the only time a wrestling title has been decided by a legitimate sporting competition, and that sporting competition being Gator Golf Mini Golf. And for any other shows you want to listen to, including time travel, uh, 2000s TV shows, wrestling nostalgia lookbacks please go and check out everything on the sjp world media podcast feed available on all your podcast providers and indeed potentially where you're listening to this show now so do check out everything all the hosts there do a fantastic job uh, again i've been dan griffin this has been the doctor who pod 
Thank you for listening. 